this is your man, Brother G2, National Director of the Journey for Justice Alliance. Appreciate y'all being here. I'm your host for the On the Ground Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at J4J underscore USA. You can also reach us on our Facebook page, Journey for Justice Alliance. And finally, this podcast is for those that believe, those that are ready to do the work, ready to conversate, not demonstrate. Let's go. Abarigani, Hotel, peace. What's happening? What up, though? This is the show where we take a deep dive into the artistic science of community organizing. Because despite what they try to teach us in television, despite the revisionist history of many of our books, we know that our people are organizing around different issues around the country. And in many cases, we swing in and we hit. And we want to lift up those fights. We want to lift up those community heroes that are actually standing up with the people to make change in our community. We want you to know that it's not hopeless, man. It's not hopeless that this world can change. It's not going to be changed by somebody that's going to parachute into our neighborhood. It's going to be changed by us. And this platform is one of those places where we begin to envision something different. We begin to talk about what's possible. We're not reaching for no low-hanging fruit on the On the Ground podcast. We swing it for the fences, right? And so today, I'm really honored But before I introduce our guests, you know, one of the things we're going to do each episode, and we might do it at any time during the program, I just feel like doing it right now. We're going to do what we call a member spotlight. Because again, we want to highlight sisters and brothers that are fighting for justice and winning. All right. Last week, you all heard about racial justice now out of Dayton, Ohio, and the kindergarten through third grade suspension bank. Today, I want to lift up three organizations out of the state of New Jersey. I want to talk to you all about the Camden Parents Union and the Camden Students Union in Camden, New Jersey. The Patterson Education Organizing Committee out of Patterson, New Jersey. And finally, my people, Parents Unified for Local School Education out of Newark, New Jersey, Brick City. Did you all know that around 25 years ago, the state of New Jersey snatched the right to vote for their school board away? from only the black cities in the state of New Jersey? Ain't that crazy? All the cities in New Jersey, right? Montclair, all these different cities, Cherry Hill, where where folks live, you know, relatively comfortable lives. They targeted the black cities and because the schools were struggling, instead of addressing inequity, they said, it's your fault. And they took away the right to vote and they snatched the schools to what was called a state's takeover. And so sisters and brothers in those cities have not had the right to vote for their school board in almost a quarter century. And this year, organizers in all three of those cities through ballot referendums and then actually organizing against privatizers won the right back to elect their school board by winning, in the case of Camden, over 70 percent of the vote said we want to elect our school board. Same thing in Newark, same thing in Patterson. So these sisters and brothers have snatched back democracy, snatched back their right to vote against powerful interests. So I want to take a minute to salute our sisters and brothers in New Jersey, Camden's Parents Union, Camden's Student Union, Patterson Education Organizing Committee, and Parents Unified for Local School Education, Pulse, out of Brick City. So everybody salute my folks. Just want to say, job well done. Now, as you all know, the theme of all our shows is always the title 
of a hip hop song because your brother don't let the gray hair fool you. I always say every strand of gray represents a whack rapper that I had to slay. So don't think the gray hair means that the brother ain't with it. The theme of today's show is set it off. Now, I don't know if y'all remember, but one of the five greatest MCs that ever lived, one of the five greatest, he's my number five, Big Daddy Kane. He had a song called Set It Off. And when people are trying to push you out of your city, when people are snatching away your schools and then they snatch away your housing, if you organize to make sure that your people have a place to live in that city, aren't you setting it off? So today, we're going to interview two incredible organizers, two great community leaders. I want to introduce you all to my brother, Francisco Duenas. He is an organizer with the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment, ACE. What's up, Francisco? Hey, what's up, G2? Thanks for having me. And the other cat is my brother from another mother. I've known this cat since he actually had a haircut very similar to one of Big Daddy Kane's dancers, Scoop and Scrap Lover. He had a high top fade back in the day. You ain't know that, did you, Francisco? Duwanzi used, nope. used to rock the high top fade, man, back in the day. But, I burned uh, all those pictures, Juicy. I didn't use you to pick me on blast, brother. Hey, brother, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to play. Uh, it takes two to make a thing go right and watch you go to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, my brother is the executive director of the mighty Kenwood Oakland Community Organization, of which I'm a proud son of. And this is Juwanza Malone. Juwanza, how you doing, brother? I'm good, brother. Thanks for inviting me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So this show is about the fight for rent control that's going on around the United States. The first thing I want to do is just ask you, and maybe Juwanza, you can kick it off. Brother, why don't you introduce yourself, say a little about Coco and why you do community organizing work? My name is Juwanza Malone, executive director here at Coco, the mighty, mighty Kimwood Oakland Community Organization. And a founding member of the Lift the Band Coalition was a group locally, a statewide coalition fighting to bring rent control to this state. Illinois is the only state in the country that has lost population four years in a row. And it's wow. because of the skyrocketing housing costs. Back to COCO, we're a grassroots membership-based organization. We view direct action, community organizing as our primary methodology for creating change. Yes, sir. On issues related to affordable housing, equitable education, youth investment, and senior rights. For folks who don't know, COCO is the oldest Black-led grassroots community group in the city of Chicago. was actually co-founded by the Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. A lot of folks don't know that, that when Black folks were restricted from moving into other neighborhoods, COCO was born to make sure that folks working in low-income Black people had a vehicle to make change. So thank you, Juwanza, for joining us. Francisco, I turn the question to you, brother. Please introduce yourself, your organization, and why do you do community organizing work? Thank you, G2. So I represent and I organize with the Alliance of Californians for Community Empowerment. Like you said, we are a statewide organization in the state of California. We know we do grassroots community organizing, focus on direct action, Mm-hmm. And really focus on our communities being the ones, like the theme of this whole show, being the ones leading the fight for the improvements that they need in their community. So, you know, making sure it's their voice, that they're at the table, they're making 
the demand and moving the campaigns forward. We got offices in Los Angeles. That's where I'm based out of. But we have an office in Oakland, in Sacramento, San Diego, and Richmond. Housing is one of the number one issues that all our communities say they're facing. So if they can't afford to live there, they're going to be somewhere else. You know, without our members, we're not an organization. So this is very much an existential threat to our communities. We're not a community if we don't got people. (laughs) Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. My next question for you all is, why is affordable housing a critical issue? And Francisco, you spoke to it a little bit. And then added to that, how has a lack of quality affordable housing impacted the lives of your base? It's taken many different forms, you know, right after the foreclosure crisis. And then obviously before that, you know, redlining and and just all the targeting of our communities' wealth that they might have through their housing or just destabilizing them through eviction and things like that. But, you know, we were really involved trying to protect people's homes after the foreclosure crisis. The way we see it, a lot of those foreclosed homes then got bought up by corporations. They swooped in. They were like, okay, these cheap homes, nobody wants to buy. Everybody's, you know, being foreclosed on. And basically they were waiting until the market went back up so they could sell them again. And in the meantime, they thought, well, why don't we just rent them out? Mm -hmm. And so now you have a whole lot more single family homes, you know, across the country that are tenants of corporate landlords. This isn't your mom and pop landlord. Their number one motivation is to increase profits at all costs. So obviously that is definitely just exacerbating what we already knew was happening, which was not enough investment in our communities, not enough housing for our people. And so it just adds another layer to the complexity. And in California, at least, some cities have rent control, Mm -hmm. but the state passed a law limiting rent control across all the jurisdictions that had it. Mm-hmm. And basically they said that you cannot include single family homes under rent control. So Jeez. that's why those corporations went after that, mm-hmm. you know, because they know they could increase the rent as much as they want. There's no rent control on those properties. That's definitely an issue. Yes, sir. Did you want to add to that, Juanza? Yeah, brother. I'll just say that, and people, you know, know this, you know, fundamentally, right? You cannot have stability unless you know you got someplace where you can sleep at night, where you feel safe. When you fill out a job application, they ask you, what's your primary residence? You fill Mm -hmm. out financial aid application for school. What's your residence? You need to get, you know, some sort of medical service. What's your address? When you get released from prison, if you cannot provide a viable address, you're held past your release date. That's right. The time you're supposed to get out don't mean nothing if you can't identify where you're going to live, which to me says the system understands how fundamental having safe, decent housing is. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to us, people of color, black and brown bodies, mm-hmm. and so Francisco talked about the role of the foreclosure crisis when you had these venture capital firms buying up rental housing for the steady revenue stream because mm-hmm. people who lost their homes flooded the rental market because they had to have some place to live, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you got this huge demand for housing. 
And so it enabled them to jack the prices up and people were forced to pay. You got companies out of Asia and Europe buying up large parts of Chicago. Wow. Like, why is a Chinese investment company buying up Woodlawn, buying up South Shore? They don't care that people are being pushed out, right? There's a 75-year-old woman in our community whose entire monthly income was going to pay her housing costs. The only way she was able to eat was that she was getting food stamps from the state and her children were helping her out. What sense does that make, right? This woman lived in the same apartment for 50 years. You had a venture capital firm out of New Jersey, Anthea's Capital, who bought her building, shot her rent up. They put a coat of paint on the wall after they had already raised the rent up five years in a row. She had to fight them just to get new carpeting. In five decades, she had not had new carpeting. But her entire income was going on rent. And so the, the question is, what's happening to black and brown bodies that we're being forced to flee just to be able to find someplace where we can live. I want you all to think about the story that Jawanda just shared or how the capitalists preyed on people in California, how the state legislature opened the floodgates for companies just to begin to skyrocket people's rents and their mortgages. Think about the belief system that has it live under that, a belief system that does not care about human beings, particularly black and brown human beings. That's what we are war against. So that's why it's important for us to struggle to master the artistic science of community organizing. Because at the end of the day, they know what they're doing to that woman that lived in that apartment 50 years. They didn't care. So we have to build the power to hold them accountable. We're no longer speaking truth to power. We're speaking power to power. People power versus money power. We have to build the political strength to make sure that folks get chin-checked when they try to displace us from our community. And so I want to just check in with you all about the strategy that you all are using for rent control and how is this an effective tool to preserve affordable housing? G2, and if I could just you know echo what you're saying about how much this issue affects so many other things. Jawan's talked about it, but in addition to letting our communities know that there's something they not just can do it, but they have to do to stop this. I think we also need to let everybody know how when we are displaced, when we are affected by this, that affects everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it affects the schools like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. It affects people's health if they're commuting two hours from their job, you know, and it affects the environment as well. So I feel like this is happening to us, but we need people to understand that we're all dependent upon each other. And with rent control, a lot of people here in California are trying to rush, you know, to say that, oh, we need to build more housing. We need to build more housing. And that is true. But we say build more housing for whom and where. Obviously, that's important because they just want to build luxury condos which people aren't going to be able to afford anyway. So it's not helping. And even if we can get all the money to build all the housing we need, it's not going to help out folks who are facing rent increases right now. 
That's right. And that's why we think rent control is so important because, you know, it's a policy tool that doesn't require more funding. It pays for itself. It can be implemented in the short term while we also win additional, you know, measures that are also going to provide for us. But the rent control right now is just so that landlords cannot raise the rent, basically what it is. It's just a law that says landlords cannot raise the rent past a certain amount. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time those laws say that they can still raise the rent, you know, maybe once a year, but it can't go over a certain amount. Yes, and then sir. there's also a lot of times, you know, other additional protections like you can only be evicted because you have a just cause mm-hmm. maybe you you know you stop paying on your rent or maybe you know you, you there was something in your contract you're not following mm-hmm. only if you have that kind of a reason can you be evicted so rent control usually comes with additional protections just to help people stay stable like yes, we're, we're saying this is just for to keep stability yes sir Let me jump in here because the the other side to this that often doesn't get talked about, right, is that, and Francisco said it, right, there's no way we're going to build our way out of this. People are being displaced right now, Mm -hmm. right? Since the year 2000 in the Chicago area, 280,000 Black families have been pushed out. 280,000 Black families have been pushed out of the Chicago area in an 18-year period. Now, mm-hmm. just to put that in context, during the Great Migration, you know, less than 60 years, 500,000 Black families fled the South, coming to the Chicago area. So we're talking about, in a fraction of the time that it took Black people to make it to Chicago, you got more than half of us going back. But let's be clear, not going back. We actually go to places like Des Moines, Iowa. There were folks that knocked on the doors for Bernie Sanders, and they were saying that one out of every three households in Des Moines was somebody from Chicago. I mean, everywhere around Chicago. I mean, Indiana, Wisconsin, Central Illinois, like Decatur, Rantoul. They're seeing an influx of people from Chicago. But statistically, the majority of where we're fleeing to is back to the South, right? And a lot of people, you know, consider Texas its own country. But yeah. Contacted by a public radio reporter mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas. 10% of the people applying to their Section 8 waiting list from came from Chicago. Wow. And she called trying to find out what's going on mm-hmm. where all of these people are trying to get into Austin, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. The piece is in addition to the fact that we just can't afford rent. While we out here, you know, scuffling and scraping, trying to make ends meet, when you look at the Section 8 program, your housing voucher, mm-hmm. where, you know, you only pay a third of your income on rent and the rest gets picked up, between 2005 and 2017, the amount of money that HUD, right, that Congress appropriated to HUD, that HUD mm-hmm. gave out for vouchers across the country doubled. It went from $5 billion to $10.5 billion, right? Billions would it be. 300,000 less families were able to get vouchers. The reason why was because the rent increased so much that the vouchers didn't spread as far. Wow. And so what we are running towards is a situation where affordable housing is not going to be found. 
And we've already seen the number of homeless people skyrocket in this country. And it's only going to continue to get worse unless we figure out ways to regulate this system in the same way that other necessities are regulated. Right? Mm. Regulation is consumer protection. Yes, sir. Anybody who is opposed to regulation is telling you they don't care about you as a human being. So, Jawanza, why don't you say a little bit about the Lift the Ban Coalition and what that campaign is fighting for and kind of what the state of it is right now? So the Lifted Ban Coalition was formed in the summer of 2016 to bring rent control to Chicago, right? It's a statewide coalition uh, because the thing that we found out that we were unaware of is that people who live in manufactured homes, we call them trailer parks, right? Mm -hmm. They own their home, but they got to pay rent for the land where their home sits. And Mm -hmm. you got five companies, one, two, three, four, five, that owns almost all the mobile home communities in Illinois. They got a monopoly and they're engaging in price fixing. So the point of the campaign is to break that up, to be able to regulate how much rent can go up each year. And Mm -hmm. through our direct action strategies, grassroots organizing, three referendum ballot initiatives, we were able to elevate rent control into the 2018 governor's race. Yes, you were. Governor campaigned on repealing the ban on rent control, right? Mm -hmm. And right now in... Two weeks, we're going to vote for a new mayor in Chicago. You got every mayoral candidate trying to out-progressive each other, talking about how they support rent control. Mm-hmm. Where three years ago, when we started this campaign, everybody thought we were the craziest things on the planet for talking about rent control. But now everybody is racing. Everybody's trying to. I bear witness, just for our listeners, because you all may have heard some terms. I want to make sure that, you know, and, and if you've heard it, you know, be cool. And if you haven't heard it, you know, I want to make sure you know what we're talking about. You heard uh, Juwan's mention it, that um, the ban on rent control is a state issue. So instead of going at it as a local organization, they've built a statewide coalition. A coalition is, you know, just roughly defined as a temporary uh, relationship of groups that come together to address a particular issue. This is not like a group of folks that are talking about transforming housing on the planet Earth. They're coming together saying, rent control is the issue that we agree on, and we're gonna organize to bring rent control to the state of Illinois. And in order to impact the state legislature, we have to build a coalition of organizations around the state. Not a coalition of individuals, not a coalition of activists, but a coalition of, you heard Juwanda say earlier, membership-based organizations that have people power that can represent a certain threat, a certain level of accountability to elected officials in different districts around the state of Illinois. So I just wanted to make sure, you know, as Juwanda was dropping those gems, that we just make sure that everybody knows what we're talking about. And Brother G2, we got two bills in the state capitol right now, Springfield, Illinois. Um, Mm -hmm. One specifically focuses on repealing the Rent Control Preemption Act, which is Mm -hmm. our ban. uh, Mm -hmm. People might remember, Alec, the whole Stand Your Ground law, uh, the Religious Freedom Act out of Indiana. Mm -hmm. This sort of private club for business interests and legislators who get Mm -hmm. bought off passed in 1997 is banned on rent control statewide. So before we do anything, we got to get rid of that. The second 
spill we have actually establishes rent control for the whole state for all residential property. And mm. for us, you have to do the entire market because as we've seen in New York, 280,000 units have been lost from the rent control registry because these crooked developers go in and use legal and illegal tactics to empty out buildings and then they jack the rent up sky high because yes, you know this thing called vacancy control where if they mm -hmm. empty out the building rent control doesn't exist for those apartments anymore so now i appreciate you brothers man and your level of knowledge on this issue it's, it's important because you're educating me as, we, as we're talking so francisco do you want to talk a little bit about the rent control campaign in california yeah, you know, it's actually very similar. We have our own state law that, that I mentioned that basically limits the kind of rent control that local cities can pass. So one limitation that I spoke about earlier is that you can include single family homes, you know, and we got a lot more people renting single family homes. Another limitation is they just put a cap a year. They said, any building built after 1995 cannot be included under rent control. And so there's obviously lots of buildings that have been built since then, but they're not affordable because we couldn't get them covered. And then I think the worst part about that is that the cities that had rent control, the date for those cities was even older. It was whatever year they passed rent control in their city. So, Los Angeles is, is 1978. I think uh, San Francisco, it's 1979. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of cities in California that passed rent control in the late 70s because of this law that got passed at the state level. We haven't been able to update our rent control to include newer buildings. And we've got buildings that were built in the 1980s that are not under rent control. Mm. So we took that to the voters in November of last year. And again, like Joanza was saying, this is an issue that, you know, a lot of people thought was nobody was going to touch. There was not going to be anybody supporting. And we were able to get close to 5 million voters in California to support mm -hmm. this, which was not enough because, you know, California is so large. It didn't, wasn't that majority, but we're going back to the legislature this year and we're going to try and do the same thing like in Illinois. We're trying to pass a bill that would repeal parts of this limitation so that way we can be able to basically include more buildings and thus more families themselves in rent control, in the consumer protections that, that is what I was saying. But I got to say, the only reason, in my humble opinion, the only reason why... Prop 10 didn't pass in California is because the realty industry dumped nearly $100 million into California to oppose it. And wow. not, just, not just lobbyists and developers in California, they got money from across the country flowing into California to block this from moving forward. And California has one of the highest rates of homelessness in the entire country. So just think about the dastardly people who we're talking about, right? They'll spend $100 million to stop something that's going to help millions of people. I think there's another point to be made, too, and you see this across issue, right? That folks that destabilize our communities have mad infrastructure. Right? <laughs> they have financing. 
They have the legislature, so we know about Alec. They have all this infrastructure. And, you know, it's good to see you all working together because often it's almost like we're throwing rocks at tanks. You know what I mean? And so a lot of our work now has to be for us to build the infrastructure to actually create something better. And for us, a that's, large, right, that's right. Yeah. And for us, a large part of it, brothers, is the relationships. We're never going to be able to match them dollar for dollar, but we dwarf them in heart and spirit and what we're willing to do to make sure that, that we get some justice. So the relationships that we build across neighborhood, across city, I want our listeners to understand that that's half the battle. But when you know you have somebody that has your back from another city, it means a lot in regards to what you're able to do. Often you get resources in regards to this knowledge of how to do something, strategies that have worked for in other places, folks that will actually come and turn out and stand with you if you're doing an action. These are the types of things that we have to put in place. So I want to commend you all again for your level of understanding. And, and as you all are teaching me as we're going through this, but then also for what you all are beginning to develop around the need for affordable housing. Because we run out of time. I want to ask, how can people reach you? So for us, wow. our office phone number is 773-548-7500. Again, area code 773-548-7500. This is Kenwood Oakland Community Organization and Coalition. Uh, our website is Coco Online. That's K-O-C-O Online, all one word, dot O-R-G. And I just quickly, brother, I got to tell you, political representation is also part of this struggle. And our communities get emptied out, that dilutes our ability to elect people who care about our interests. As we're fighting to remain, we're also fighting for control over our community and the resource. Thank you, brother. How can people reach you? Yes, so I've got two ways people can reach us. I mean, one is the the website, ACE. Is, is like the Lift the Bank Coalition. We also did our own statewide coalition. So they can go to Housing Now, California. That's housingnowca.org. And I think that's the website for the coalition, all the different groups that are participating. And then they can also just go online and check us out on accceaction.org. Word up, word up. Again, brothers, thank you all very much, man, for taking a few minutes to just educate me and educate the world on the fight for rent control and the need for affordable housing in our country. So thank you all for being on the ground. Well, thanks for having us, man. Keep doing this good work, man. You're doing the good stuff. Thank you, you too. Family, in closing, what I want you all to understand, you know, the United Nations says there are five basic institutions to a community. You know, housing, education, food production and delivery, clothing, and health care. This thing ain't complicated, man. The way you build a community is you invest in the basic quality of life institutions that are supposed to serve the people. The way you destroy a community is you starve those institutions. So when you see things like the loss of affordable housing and school closings, don't think they're separate issues. We maintain that in every city, where we have seen school privatization take root and the loss of affordable housing, we've seen a drop in the black population in all those cities. Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, 
Los Angeles, Oakland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Washington, D.C. is no longer Chocolate City. In 20 years, we've gone from Chocolate City, 76% of the population being African-American, to today, where it's less than 50%. As Jawanza mentioned in Chicago, in 2000, we were 52% of the population, 53%. Today, we're 32% of the population. So this is not a migration, and it wasn't a migration in the 1940s. It was an evacuation. And today, it is a purge. We are being purged from American cities, and they are weaponizing housing and education in order to move us out. Sisters and brothers, we got to be clear on that. We can't be afraid to say it, and we sure in the hell can't be afraid to organize to stop it. Now, what's beautiful about the fight for rent control is that it's about building the infrastructure to keep us in our communities. So from organizing tenant councils to rent control to affordable home ownership, you see brothers and sisters organizing to create an infrastructure for working and low-income families to be able to stay in the cities that we have sweated in, that we have toiled in. By the same token, in the education justice fight, you see the fight for sustainable community schools. You see the fight for control of our school boards. You see the fight for equity, which says we want to build the infrastructure for working and low-income families in our communities. This piece on organizing ain't no joke, man. And what I've learned in my short time doing this work, last 20-some-odd years, is that organizing is easy till you got to do it. This water is deep, and it ain't for everybody. But if you want to do this work, you know, it's not about low-hanging fruit. It's about envisioning what this world could look like and organizing to change it. Because here's the question you got to ask yourself. This is from a brother who will turn 53 years old this year. Can't believe it. The question you have to ask yourself is what will you leave the next generation other than rhetoric and problems? What will you leave? We have to leave the next generation tools to wage struggle. And the fight for rent control is a tool to wage struggle. So again, thank you all for tuning in today. And we're going to leave you with, to me, one of the five dopest MCs that ever lived, live and direct from Brooklyn, New York. You know, what makes a great MC, some people say is lyrics, some people say is delivery, some people say is voice. I believe the subject matter, what you talk about as well. But one of the things that Big Daddy Kane had over almost any MC that ever lived, I believe, was confidence. When Big Daddy Kane rapped and he said, here I am, R-A-W, a terrorist, here to bring trouble to phony MCs, I move on MCs, I just conquer and stump another rapper with ease, you believed him. He's got this song called Set It Off. Just like my brothers are doing with the Rent Control Campaign, they're setting it off. Y'all know you can reach us on Twitter at J4J underscore USA. Reach our Facebook page, journeyforjusticealliance.com, or our website, www.j4jalliance.com. And now I give you one of the five dopest MCs that ever lived. I'm number six, number five, Big Daddy Kane. Set it off. Peace. Tutanana. We out. Let it roll, get bold, I just can't hold back a fold Cause I'm a man with soul, in control and effects So what the heck, rock the discotheques and this groove is what's next Attack, react, exact, a Mac, I move you with A strong song as long as you groove to this I keep the crack
crowd loud when you hype. Do damage on stage and injure the mic. As I shoot the gift and see, stand still. While my rhymes stick to you like Skippy and Jeff. Feel my blood fist on my death kiss. The rap soloist, you don't want none of this. Supreme in this era, I reign with terror. When I grab the mic, believe you're gonna hear her. Fascinating rhyme as I enchant them. So let's all sing the Big Daddy anthem. Go with the flow, my rhymes grow like an afro. I entertain the gain and cane, I never have no problem. I can sneeze, sniffle, and cough. Even if I stutter, I'ma still come off. Cause rappers can't understand the mics I rip. They sure enough ain't equipped, that's why they got flipped. But my apparatus is up to status. Don't ask who's the baddest. Of course, that is the make or break or take em. I'm gonna take the head, put it to bed. So watch what's said. Say the bass for the pipe and rearrange the tone. I take a loss and be forced in the danger zone. Cause I can kill and kill at will. Teaching a skill that's real, you're no thrill. So just stand still and chill as I feel. Science I drill until my rhymes fill your head up. 